Welcome everybody to Gameology. We're back. I am one of your hosts, Matt. And I'm Attila Gabriel Brzezinski. And today we're going to be talking about... Microtransactions. That's right. Now, off the bat, I think the strongest feeling I have towards microtransactions is the way they're used for evil. Mm, yeah. And the way that a lot of gambling psychology is used with microtransactions. And that they know that they can get more off somebody... Um, by charging 50 cents a dollar here by using the psychology that they use with casinos and, and destiny does this uh, as well and blizzard does this a lot with their packs they know that delayed gratification is more important than giving somebody the same thing all the time because once somebody can predict what it is they're not as likely to get it they they would rather you spend 50 cents you might get something worth a lot and also what we're seeing a lot of the same evil psychology is that free-to-play games that give you here's the game isn't this fun and then they make you wait and then they give you something and then they make you wait and it's to me it's just an evil manipulation of a mind if i'm going to be addicted to a game i want i want to feel good about that i want to be like wow final fantasy 7 was so addicting i stayed up all night and played it i don't want to be like this game has taken 900 dollars of my money because you don't want your business model to be people that shouldn't be spending their money. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, I, I think that overwhelmingly there's this sort of negative sen sentiment towards microtransactions just in general. Um, a lot of people get the feeling that like if they've spent money on the game, why should they have to spend more on it for like these little, you know, loot drops or whatever. Um, you know, you look at game you look at a game like um, Animal Crossing, which features a lot of energy systems in the game, these idea of like you, you plant a tree and then three days later it grows fruit and you have to wait three days every time before it grows fruit. And these energy systems exist in the game. They exist in things like the um, recently popular uh, Stardew Valley. But somehow in these games, you know, it, it doesn't register as like a, a time waster or manipulative kind of thing. It's just, it's, it's part of the game and it just feels natural. Whereas... Once a company ties uh, a dollar value to those same energy systems, they say, like, you can skip this if you, you know, pay real money, um, then it starts to sort of go down the road of being nefarious. Um, I think the one thing that most people, hmm, I'm not going to say they're not going to have a problem with it, but the one thing that most people shouldn't have a problem with in terms of microtransactions are paying for content that's fair right you're you're getting something solid that you can go back to and use at any time um i think the more that microtransactions tend towards the consumable side of things or even god forbid the random consumable side of things that's when things start to get more nefarious I, yeah consumable is uh is the key word there just that as soon as I hear that, it's it's almost like a dirty word of like you get it and then it's gone and then we want you to come back for more. Uh, whereas if it's, I mean, my smaller transactions have been around with, um, in a way, expansion packs for games and then DLC, um, and and those make a lot of sense because you have something that you have it and you have it forever. I mean, we're going to be talking a lot about Plants vs Zombies, yeah. And one of the biggest problems I had, I loved Plants vs Zombies one. And I couldn't get into Plants vs. Zombies 2 as much as I wanted to because of the sort of ticky-tacky way they had um, dribbling out the content. And it's like, if, if they just had an option to like buy it all so you can play it, I would have loved that. But they lost a fan out of me. And, mm. I, and I'm wondering if on some chart, they're like, all right, guys, we have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of mats uh, that aren't going to like this. A yeah. small percentage of them aren't going to give us money. But look at all these other people we're going to get. 
uh, and this is a whole new subscriber base, and these are all the people that play Facebook games, and it just to me it feels like they don't care about me. No, and that's it's very true. They're they're preying upon a very specific sort of mindset of people. Like, um, I guess people like us who maybe we don't necessarily um, play a lot of like Facebook style games. Um, we're, we're more heavily invested in uh, games. We, we, we like to sort of, as you say, premium purchase upfront. Whereas a lot of people, uh, they see, hey, Plants vs. Zombies 2 is free awesome right. i can spend a whole bunch of time on this they have a and, positive reaction to it whereas yeah. once you've been around for a while that almost it's like wait a second nothing really should be free so what where's the catch is what exactly we see. you have that's the realization that people have to make is that um in a single player game specifically um offering free content means they expect to get something out of you i'm gonna tangent here real quick and say in an mmo making an mmo free doesn't necessarily guarantee that the company expects value out of you um directly because uh player population is so important in the mmo space that you don't necessarily have to worry about every single player paying in the mmo space but the fact that they contribute to this larger ecosystem and make the world feel more alive for those paying players um, that is the value to them. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, I, I think of other microtransactions that are that are totally fine within it. Um, if it's cosmetic, to mm-hmm. me, I don't mind at all. And I've never been really uh, into the cosmetic side of things. I don't care about what my player looks like to others. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Yeah, it's, I mean, they could wear like a garbage bag. It's fine. Um, I just, I like, for me, it's always been about the game. And if the microtransaction starts affecting the game, that's where it can be... A bit of a problem, and and that's something we've seen um, over the the evolution of multiplayer games is this customization, where in a way mm-hmm. you're, you start playing kind of a different game than everyone else. Um, I jumped into Black Ops One last night with my little brother because it was one of the only games he had. Yeah, and uh, I was he had never played; he'd only played zombies, and he was amazed at this whole like perk system. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Why do those people have better guns than me?" I'm like, yeah. "Well, <laughs> they've put in the time and." Uh, you need to put in that time because filling the bars up and, and chasing. I mean, I still remember playing Modern Warfare and and really like going after certain guns and like using a crappier gun to get all these headshots. And in a way, that is kind of a microtransaction that we see today. But back then, it was all game. You had to put in the time and the yeah. effort. So it didn't feel like a ripoff. And maybe it was a bit annoying that no, somebody had a better gun than yours. it's all part of the progression system of the game. Exactly, exactly. It was like, if you if you come across a, a level 99 monster in an RPG and you're level 1, you don't be like, that's not fair. He's level <laughs> 99. But if you can grind and get that your own way, that's part of the satisfaction of games. But once you introduce money to it, where mm-hmm. it's, if somebody kills you because their bazooka shoots further than you, you know, that's garbage. Yeah, it's... I, I think that... Um, even if there are some people who insist that there's nothing wrong with the microtransaction model, they say like, oh, you know, you if you spend this much time playing a game, isn't it worth throwing a couple dollars at anyway? And that's... I, I never like the idea of, I guess I spend a lot of time on this, I should throw some money at it. Um, I still feel like... I would like to make... Would have liked to have made the premium purchase up front... Um, just because, because the developer spent a lot of time on it and you should give them money right off the front. Yeah. Um, but more than that, it's just the sense of like, if I'm putting money towards something, it specifically these kinds of games that kind of like really 
like twisted out of you. You know, you, you feel like, oh, my, my time is valuable. Therefore it would be, it would make economic sense for me to spend money on this game instead of wasting my time grinding up to where, like how long it would take me to earn the same uh, currency in game. Um, and then very specifically when you don't even have a choice when they say like, oh no, if you want um, the gun that deals five more damage, you have to pay for it. That is a clear example of where like, you know, you can't even earn the in-game currency necessary to to get the like higher benefit. That is, uh, you know, uh, cardinal sin in my view of like microtransactions. A, a multiplayer game I've really enjoyed over the last year has been Rainbow Six Siege, mm-hmm. and they use a system wherein you can pay for a season pass and you get um the new operators that they the new characters that they roll out every quarter um you can also unlock them using in-game currency and it's 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 a fair um process but understandably it has to be a long process but it's almost to the point where i mean if you look you would have to be playing for four hours every single night for a month straight to get it mm-hmm. and i mean you could if you can, I don't know, if you can put those hours into working a minimum minimum wage job to buy the DLC, uh, and it's just so skewed, um, I, it felt a little unbalanced uh, to me where I thought there's no, that's, that's felt ridiculous to me, and I ended up buying the DLC for it because I wanted the new characters. Um, but that's a game where those characters have specific abilities, mm-hmm. and if you don't have the money to, or the time, the crazy amount of time to buy it, you could be at a disadvantage in certain levels in certain situations. When I look about how, like, how's, how could it apply to, say, modern gaming? Um, if I had played a typical adventure RPG, and let's say it's free to play now, yeah, like, how does that look? Because that could be how games go in the future. Are you going to get the beginning of the game and then you unlock levels? I mean, so it's basically every game becomes a demo. And if you want to play the second level, that could be a microtransaction. Would it be if you want to use magic in this game, it's going to be a microtransaction? It, it, could it just be like a timer? Are we going to go back to almost the era of like renting games? In some cases, I think that that could be a positive thing moving forward. But as it is, it seems kind of like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But it's sneaking in. Yeah, I mean, you, you sort of touched upon a few things which, uh, you know, um, are we going to get um, instances where there's like a demo, you can try the game out, and then it's free for so long they have to pay for additional levels? I see no problem with that. That's the sort of like the classic demo model. Um, there are other issues associated with that in terms of like how much of the game is free, um, at what point can you get a refund for what you've purchased, and this and that. The other thing, that's a whole other discussion. Um to use magic magic in the game like cut an entire ability away from the player before like charge them money to be able to use it that's terrible that's uh you know it's cropping out such a significant portion of the game that you're probably not going to have a good experience playing the game anyway and then if you're not having a good experience why would you stick with the game why would you pay for it so Anytime you include microtransactions in the game, you have to walk this very fine line of like um, presenting value to the player and withholding that so that the player knows like, okay, I have a clear sense of what I could be getting if I forked over the additional cash. Um, And I'm having fun already. You know, you have to make it... so that players can construct it in their own minds, the equation of like, I could be having more fun if I just paid a little more money. Um, So with 
offering like content as a microtransaction that's reasonably easy for the player to quantify because they can say okay i've got i've played this far into the game i'm assuming i can expect more out of this game that's along the same lines here's my you know payment for the game and um one game that did that really well was ghost trick phantom detective when it came out on ios um they said like the first one two three chapters are free then you can either pay for the next three chapters and the next three chapters and maybe the next five chapters something like that um or you can just pay one installment and get the whole rest of the game as a single payment and that's what i did because after i played through the first couple chapters of that game i was like this is great i'd love to play the rest of it um and that game worked very well with that kind of distribution model because um it was playing. episodic yeah exactly it was broken up into these chapters where it, it, there were very clear delineations of where you could um pay for the game and I, in a way i almost felt rewarded for like my faith in the game that it making that one-time payment was less than paying for the next five chapters and the next five chapters after that mm. so for me i saved a slight bit of money and got a really good game and that felt like you know handshake move on enjoy game no sense of bitter like oh but i could i could have like spent an inordinate amount of time grinding for this and then got it for free yeah i mean it's it's like a pizza where you're getting one slice and then if you like more you buy more slices so you could buy the whole pizza rather than like here's just the crust what do mm-hmm. you think do you want sauce on it because mm-hmm. I, I would assume like from a game developer standpoint it would probably drive you crazy to think that this careful system you've put in place is being doled out, you know, in different increments and that people aren't experiencing, uh, you know, the whole thing at once. Cause every, every part, it would be like playing super Mario world. And you're like, Oh, I didn't have the version with the Cape. I mean, it's a totally different game, a lot harder game. Uh, I mean, what are, what are your predictions for where this is going in the future? I, I think as long as they can still make money selling premium games, they're going to keep doing that. Uh, I would, I would be totally fine with, um, it coming down to like buying time with a game. Uh, I mean, the rental market worked for a long time with games uh, and demos, and I'd like to see more of that come back too, where people can invest in it once you have it. Uh, yeah, I, Extra Credits actually talked about something like the the digital rental and arcade sort of idea, where like you you pay for your time with a game, and then eventually, like once you've paid for the game's total value, you just own it. So that way, you can like you can pay to get incremental access to the game but then you can stop shy of paying the full price of the game but if you do pay the full price of the game then it's as if like it's a sort of rent to own kind of thing and i i really like the sound of that in principle it sort of lets you try a little bit of the game without having to pay the full price um because we've all had those experiences where we pay full price for a game we get home we try it out and it's like this is not at all what i expected this is not at all what i wanted um and nowadays it's if it's a physical product it's reasonably easy to return it and get your money back if it's a digital product that's a bit more of a dicey situation i mean steam has what two hours yeah they yeah two hours of playtime or and then maybe a larger time window playstation uh, sony is really against any kind Mm -hmm. of refund i've managed to get maybe one or two and it's because i lied and said i had a kid who accidentally bought it yeah and that's the thing where you you like they don't even want you to try the game out at all. And there definitely needs to be like a, a better balance of being able to, um, you know, understand that 
when a marketing firm is doing their best to hype up a product, eventually you just end up with something that is not at all what you expected from the look of that marketing. Um, and therefore, you need to have measures in place to protect the consumer and people to be able to reclaim, you know, get their money back because they were sold something that doesn't hold up to reality or doesn't hold up to what they were what their expectations were built up to by the marketing department. Is there a specific game you're talking about here? Because there's a pretty big example of No Man's you, Sky. Yeah. yeah. Um, a game I, that's a, yeah. half a victim of hype and half a victim of some, of a few fibs that were told. Yeah. I mean, I, I've heard a lot of No Man's Sky talked about. I didn't get the game for myself. It just it didn't strike me as interesting. Mm. Um, like, as amazing as everyone was hyping it up to be, I just kind of saw what there was shown of the game. I was like, there's nothing here that would make me want to play this. Yeah. So that's definitely what I thought. I, I thought that's a really great system you have, but uh, where's the game? Mm -hmm. And it turns out that the game was this survival um, piece they sort of added on. But I mean, one of the few things that people have been correct and calling out is that they were specifically told there was going to be, you can play with your friends mm -hmm. and like, Playing the game at the same time as your friend while on the phone with them is not really playing <laughs> playing a game with your friend. Uh, so they have they have a lot to answer to on that situation. But yeah, it was it was a game that was just built up out of hype, and um, he was offering he was offering a pretty generous refund rate mm -hmm. on that. Um, we, we've uh, we kind of drifted a bit from our discussion of microtransactions, but okay. I, well, you I want feel... to talk about what Plants vs Zombies? What they uh, yeah. did wrong? Yeah, I mean, uh, you kind of mentioned at the top of the show how like you, you reasonably enjoyed the first game and so loved did I. it. Yeah, and I had a lot of fun playing the core game, which I'd paid for. Um, but then they added a whole bunch of microtransactions because I believe Plants vs. Zombies was originally developed by PopCap, and then yeah. PopCap was bought by EA, and I believe, not 100% sure about this, but it feels like they slapped microtransactions onto the game where there, there wasn't when it was originally released. Plants um, vs. Zombies 2. Well, Plants vs. Zombies 2 was developed from the ground up to have microtransactions. Yes. Did they, and they added them to Plants vs. Zombies 1 as well? Yeah. Oh my god, they just Frankenstein them on. Oh god, did they ever. Um, there were some things which were fine, where you were genuinely paying for new modes, new content. That felt reasonable. But all of it could be done with in-game currency. And the in-game currency model, model that they added to that game was so broken. Like, I... They... They did this really weird thing where uh, the idea of farming for currency, you, you try to find some activity in the game that has a very high yield to low input, easy to do, um, or difficult to do but has a high yield. Most gamers are familiar with farming for something, whether it's experience or currency or whatever at some point in a game. Um, they actually added a mechanic to Plants vs. Zombies exclusively for farming. Okay. Yeah, it was called the Zen Garden. It was oh, the that's most a good name for stressful it. part of the game. <laughs> it was so stressful because you have these, you, you buy plants and the plants spit out coins. You don't get the coins unless you have the game open. You have to have the game open. You have to tap those coins as the plants drop them. Oh, you don't want to do that? You don't want to have the game constantly open so you can farm your currency? Oh, you can buy the snail that'll collect the currency for you. Okay. But the snail falls asleep. So you got to get, you got to buy chocolate for the snail to pick up the coins that the plants drop. It's this never ending oh, cycle. And the chocolate, and we ran out of that scene. So you need to open up this other app called Cocoa Farm <laughs> and the workers are now asleep. You need to feed them cocoa you leaves. You get, you get chocolate as a rare drop in the game. 
And there were certain things that would more likely to drop chocolate than others. Like if you defeated a gargantuan, it would drop chocolate. Um, so it became this like nightmarish mode of like scavenging the game for anything that drops chocolate so you can feed the snail so the snail will get you money for what like it was so so stressful and like as i said that the chocolate would wear out so you have like this mental tally in the back of your mind of like oh god the snail's chocolate is gonna run out i gotta reopen the game i gotta feed him more chocolate so i can get more money and it's just like this stress and energy mechanism that i participated in because i refused to spend money on the microtransactions but and, it left and me what with this, uh, what are you getting out of buying these microtransactions uh content like additional modes and stuff tied to achievements and all these things which like i i wanted to experience more of the game but if they'd have just charged a higher price and had all of this available i would have been way happier with that um like because overall this microtransaction um zen garden thing left me with a really bitter uh, feeling about the game whereas I, I originally i really liked the game but having participated in that the feeling like the the stress of like the the ticker counting down and if i don't feed the chocolate to the snail i'm not getting the optimal amount of money out of this and just the 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 thing like compelling you to have like the game like opening and reopening um trying to get you back into the ecosystem like the it's a skinner box the purpose of a Skinner box is to create operant conditioning, which basically means that uh, through a combination of um, stimuli or punishment, you're creating conditioned behavior in the player. And what they can use that for is to create a sort of like a feedback loop of you like pouring more money into the game, um, just basically using this cycle of reward, uh, either through fixed intervals, random intervals, like it the the way that the skinner box operates is different depending on which kind of behavior they're trying to elicit in the player and a lot of games that employ energy systems are nothing more than these psychological traps um which compel you to like open the game on a sort of recurring basis and keep you in the ecosystem games like candy crush are very much like constructed to be a Skinner box. Like you, you don't even have to peel back that many layers to like reveal how it is this like really terrible thing to be doing to people. Um, the fact that they offer most microtransactions in that game um, at the point where you have failed a level, like you, you've lost the level, oh no, but here you can pay a dollar to get uh, this item which will, which you can use to win the level. Like they, they wow construct the the you know the people have this idea that a match three game is random that like just random tiles are falling it's not they have such tight control of like where things are falling it's like a scratch and win yeah and like random um like power-ups will trigger in the game that it looks like oh it's so good i'm getting all these points but those random power-ups are popping very specific like candies on the board to make others fall into line such a specific way so that you know i remember what i said earlier in the episode about constructing the um equation in the player's head you know that by paying that money that one dollar just one dollar um purchase that you will win the level because you can see everything on the board you can say like oh my gosh if i only had three more moves i 
hey, I can buy three more moves. Right. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's so specifically constructed just to like hold victory behind a paywall. Um, and uh, yeah, you end up spending, or people, some people are so compelled by this, especially because of the social aspects they introduce into the game, that they end up spending so much money on these games, like stupid amounts, like way more than you would ever reasonably spend on a game that's actually like fun and well-made and isn't just trying to manipulate you and extract as much cash out of you as possible. Um, like the fact that microtransactions um, come in these increments of like, oh, you can spend $1, you can spend $5, you can spend $10, you can spend 20 50 100 Who's going to spend $100 on a crappy mobile game when you could spend half of that and get like an amazing game for 3DS or something like that? And it just, you know, the, the value is completely skewed on those kind of purchases. I've mentioned this before, but uh, Jason Muse from, uh, from Jay and Silent Bob was talking on uh, the Game Informer podcast show and he's big into like mobile games and they're asking him like, what games do you play? And he's like, I don't have time to have kids, so I play this mobile one. And it was like a, a pack opening, sort of like DC Universe kind mm -hmm. of game. And uh, he got in trouble from his wife because he had spent thousands of dollars in a month, you know, on it because of that psychology of it. And if you have, um, you know, a certain amount of disposable income. But there's, the scary thing is that these things can be connected. Well, they're always connected to credit cards. Mm -hmm. And that means that people could easily spend a lot more money than they have at a very small incremental rate. Yeah. That you're playing every day and it can add up really fast and that's just not that just leaves such a bad taste in everybody's mouths except the people up at the top that are raking in the money of it the people that are doing that are working for these companies making art assets they're not happy with it it's nobody's really happy except just the the top part getting the money and it's i don't think it's really healthy for the industry but um you look at gambling um you look at like these machines that are in bars and you look at uh, scratch tickets that are at, you know, gas stations, um, that is, that is thriving. Yeah. So, it's... so no matter if, it, and those aren't even, those don't even have a colorful, well, slot machines do, but I mean, I would say they're less fun than saying plants versus zombies. So those will thrive. I, I think that it's just, it's attacking a different consumer. You and me are not interested in plants versus zombies too. But a completely different group of people are interested in Plants vs. Zombies too. My only hope is that these people... I was watching an older guy, big, huge guy in a big mm. truck with a dog playing Candy Crush. And I thought, man, what if they made a Candy Crush that had a story, like an interesting character? What would happen then? What if there was like an RPG of a Candy Crush? What if these games are actually fun? I don't know if that'll ever happen. I don't know. Could this be a gateway drug for this guy to come over and be like, what's Zelda? No, I don't think so. I think that they're they're not going to bother to create these kind of stories and these kind of games because it actually detracts from the mechanism which they have so tightly constructed. I think that they, um, you know, the, these companies aren't looking to create experiences or games or any of these kind of things that are have any value for the player um so why should they make a story why should they spend any amount of the money that they could be spending to you know squeeze more money out of you um these are uh corporate decisions um fueling psychological uh traps there's no there's no way they're ever going to try and make good on any of this like they're they're not going to uh pull a scrooge and 
you know, sort of turn around and put all this to good use. They're, that's just not what these people are interested in. Um, and, you know, Candy Crush is a particularly vile beast because they're only charging $1 at a time. Like I was mentioning earlier how there's these ridiculous, like you can spend $100 in one go. Maybe somebody does that just to be crazy and they like make a YouTube video of opening 50 packs in Hearthstone. Or, or if you're just deep into the addiction of it and it becomes, you can't, you don't have the foresight to see that this is a crazy, but right. if you're, you're so involved in it, that doesn't seem crazy. Right. Um, and when I, when I was researching all this stuff, I was looking at the app store and realizing that there's all these games that charge like these ridiculous, like hundreds of dollars in, at a time that you can just throw away, but which is the game that's making the most money in the app store? Candy Crush. And it's doing it $1 at a time. They are nickel and diming you to death because that amount seems so small that you can just throw it away without thinking of it. Like you, it, it's, it's, ugh, it, it's Well, terrible. I mean, it's, it's, it's like asking somebody with a lot of things that people spend money on. If mm -hmm. somebody spends a couple dollars every single day on a coffee or more, yeah. but if you showed them how much they spend per month, they, they might seriously rethink their hobby. Yeah. Yeah. Of not like a hobby, but that habit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it, it's a very clear illustration of like taking advantage of human nature, because as you say, if you give people that perspective on how much they're spending, then they might be like, whoa, oh my gosh, I really like, I should have taken the time to do this for myself. But most people don't. Most people just don't even think about it. They're like, oh, a dollar, it's so little. Of course I can just, you know, I can afford to spend this. And then you know, maybe you get the bill at the end of the month and you realize, oh, geez, like this, this was way more expensive than I thought it was. And I think... But I'm assuming that they're incredibly smart and that on your bill, it would never show up as a monthly total in terms of Candy Crush. It would just be a dollar here, a dollar here, a dollar there. Right. Well, but, you know, Apple's still going to give you like a sum total of your, like, you're going to see it on your credit card history. You're going to see like how much you spent on a monthly basis. Um, you know, that is assuming people are using their credit cards responsibly not everyone is um so candy crush root of all evil any game that tries to be like that plants vs zombies 2 ea evil to a lesser extent um one of the specific things that turned me off of the second game in that series uh i kid you not 15 percent of the screen real estate is taken up by buttons that are directly linked to microtransactions wow there are the Three power-ups, the, you know, the pay-to-win power-ups, the use X amount of in-game currency to get godlike powers and win this level. Um, and it's so devious because the the crux of that game is, are you going to make it? It's mm -hmm. like, you, you're you just getting by in the skin of your teeth in the best Plants vs. Zombies match. So for having this, like, escape button that costs a dollar or whatever it does is, is devious. Yeah. And that's something that they... they anytime you tie in the mechanic of like oh you can spend money to um to make something easier how how can you possibly argue that the developer is not then motivated to make the level artificially difficult so you have to pay to win there's just no way that you know human nature being what it is you just you can't be even subconsciously the developer could be making every effort to make the game fair and balanced but knowing that if they make the game more difficult that people will have to pay for it it's too tempting not to and you you skew and like tweak values not to make the game 
balanced for fun, but balanced for profit. And I mean, they, they committed one of the cardinal sins, as I said earlier, about like actually putting the most powerful plants from the previous game behind a paywall. Not one that you can earn with in-game currency, but they just straight up said like, oh, you want the ice pea plant uh, that slows down zombies and gives you a better chance of being able to win the game? That'll be $3 for this like one single plant in the game. And it's just absolutely ridiculous that um, they don't give you the opportunity to earn it when there's just this very clear example of this plant, you need it to win, and it's $3. Could they be any more blatant? Yes. Um, you know, let's hope that day doesn't come. Um, sort of looking forward, you know, are these games going to have success? Yes, because they're preying on very basic parts of the human psyche. Like, unless we really... Um, change our way of thinking about this on a massive scale um, unless there's legislation induced um, like brought about to make it so that developers can't take advantage of people on this level um, I don't think there's going to be any stopping it I think there's going to be um, always this sense of uh, people trying to make a quick buck um, and e exploiting people on this level and as long as it continues to work, they'll continue to do it because that is the kind of uh, corporate decision-making that's going into making these games in the first place. Yeah, you know, a few minutes back, I was thinking about this legislation. It's interesting you brought that up. It's Would it make sense to say that any any of these microtransaction-type games would be uh, classified as, a, as gambling and you mm -hmm. need to be a certain age? And, uh, and then I thought, well, they they never actually give you any money back. Mm -mm. So in a way, they are it's you're not gambling, and no. it's a thousand times more brilliant than gambling because you never win anything. Mm -hmm. yeah. You just win artificialness. It's it's an artificial currency of of lights going off. Yeah, and it's this empty nothing. Yeah, it's not money. It's not food. It's just more crystals or whatever the hell happens at the end of Candy Crush. Yeah. And it's it's one of those things where like classifying these this nature of microtransactions as gambling doesn't solve the problem because okay that at least means your kids can't spend all your money on the game but they're just going to ask their parents to spend all their money for them. Um, there's so many things that microtransactions allow in terms of just awful awful game design, and I don't mean games that are strictly bad. I mean games that are using the best and most potent arts of game design to create things that are fun, but that hold your fun hostage and charge you money for it. Um, I definitely believe that microtransactions have a place in our industry, that they can be used to provide content. You know, Ghost Trick was a fantastic example. Um, next up, we're going to be doing a discussion about Hearthstone, how it handles microtransactions better. Not perfect, but better than most of the games we've discussed on this podcast. Um, so I don't, I feel like it would be rash to say that the industry should be, um, like, that they should be banned as a whole, because there are very clear instances where they do make sense and where they do enable for, um, consumers to get all they want out of an experience without paying full retail price for an experience that they they don't 
commit to like they if you only pay if you only play a certain percentage of game um and you're dissatisfied with it or you're not going to continue it um you know you get better value out of it by only having to pay a portion of the cost so there is there are clear examples of where microtransactions are good and beneficial to consumers but overall you know we all we need to do is crack open the um the app store and look at the top grossing apps okay good minecraft is on there but most of them are just like various skins on farmville they're all these games that are nothing more than psychological traps and don't offer any um redeeming value to the consumer right well could we offer if in case you're listening to this and you're wondering ah, i'm held hostage What's a good alternative? You could grab a 3DS, you could grab a DS, you could grab a PlayStation Vita. If you like strategy games, you could play Advance Wars. You will spend less money and have more fun playing these games that are a premium experience that you're you're actually going to enjoy. Um, games that have actual stories to tell. Um, you know, the, the difference between... like I, I used to play Hearthstone while I was walking home from work. And even though I liked that game, I feel like there are like just other things that you can be um, like other experiences that are more rewarding, not necessarily that you can play while you're walking home. Now I play Pokemon Go. While I'm walking home. Um, and, you know, Pokemon Go, does it do microtransactions well? It doesn't feel as evil as... Um, things like Plants vs. Zombies or Candy Crush because they do let you earn all the currency that's necessary. Um, and it, it is a, a beast unlike any other we've seen so far, and it's certainly going to um, spawn a lot of imitators and people who want to capitalize on the same kind of um, money that uh, Niantic and the Pokemon Company are raking in. Um, and as is the nature of imitators, they are probably going to be much more nefarious about the way they do microtransactions. So we could be on the advent of just an absolute, like another wave of even more nefarious microtransaction-based games that are just capitalizing on the formula of Pokemon Go. Um, who knows? I, I think ultimately there's a lot more that needs to be done to protect consumers. Um, is it going to be? Is it going to come down to legislation from the government or a self-imposed body like the ESRB? I don't know. Um, I think there. This becomes uh, very quickly a question of ethics and morality, not just like you know standard consumer practice and these kind of things. Because there are clear instances of these companies taking advantage of people, and you know you got a you've got a, a moral dilemma that needs solving here going to take a lot of careful thinking through and regulation to make sure that it's handled properly and doesn't just wholesale get rid of these things that can be used for good just usually aren't well that's going to do it for this episode on microtransactions you can listen to the audio version through itunes or any of your podcasting software you just type in gameology all one word it's also up at the 90s kid youtube channel where sometimes i add some cool video alongside it you don't get to see our faces but you get to see some beautifully rendered graphical images um that's a 90s kid also called gameology i'm matt you can find me on twitter at game think talk 
You can follow me on Twitter at BluishGreenPro, or you can check out my website, BluishGreenProductions.com, where you can also submit user feedback and questions to be featured and answered on the show. Bye for now. That was hefty. (laughs) 